Marcus Alexander. Shabbat for three. Bingo! Carter will get it for the win. Got it! He is hard to believe. Here's Troy. Yes! The Magic, a 360 turn with the dribble. Magic down the middle. Gives underneath the Worthy. Slammed up. Third in the corner. Double fake. What's going on, guys? Welcome to another post-game recap here on Dime Dropper 2022 Conference Finals. Before we get started, please make sure to subscribe on YouTube at Dime Dropper Podcast, Apple Podcasts, follow us on Spotify, and of course to follow us on all social media platforms at Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Dime Dropper Pod. For tonight's episode, I'm very happy to bring on another member of my actual family, blood-related family. We have my first cousin once removed for technic tech if you want to really get technical with it but also the first cousin of a previous guest cousin showtime if you were really here before the 2020 uh 2021 season you remember that episode my cousin amir motamini how we doing i'm doing good man thanks for having me on and as you guys can see he's a heat fan but he grew up in california so we're gonna need we're gonna need the uh history of how you became a heat fan yeah so Grew up in, so technically I was born in Pennsylvania, but I moved to Fresno, California when I was five. So grew up in California. And so just like any kid in 1991, so I initially started off as a, as a Bulls fan. So technically a Michael Jordan fan, but was a Bulls fan for seven or eight years or so until he retired in, in 1998. So had no team. I mean, in Fresno, we pretty much are televised all NorCal Bay Area sports. So I did grow up a, a Niner fan. Wasn't a big baseball fan until about 12 years ago. So I am a Giants fan. So fan of the Terrible. Bay Area. Disgusting. I, I mean, the two teams I hate the most, luckily only, you only like one of them, which are the Dodgers. Uh, <laughs> Los Angeles Lakers, the, the team I hate the most uh, across what? any single sport. Why didn't you like the Warriors or the Sacramento Kings? Michael Jordan. He was just that that uh, that uh, easy to like. I mean, he was just—he's the goat, right? I mean, he—he he was the Kobe, he was the LeBron of of my—he was the Magic of my generation. So naturally, like, I, I just gravitated towards Michael Jordan, like most folks did across, you know, the United <laughs> States. Regard, regard, like, regardless if you were growing up in New York, I had friends who were living in New York, and you know, they had the Knicks or the Nets to root for, but they were still Michael Jordan fans. So. Started off as a as a Bulls fan in '98, and then he retired, and so I was, I think, 12 years old at the time, 13, and my older brother is 11 years older than me, so he was 24. Uh, he was also a Bulls fan growing up, and so just family, you know. Typically, it's like where you live, or or family, or like of a specific player, uh, you know, is the reason why you choose a select team. So, um, my bro, I was a Jordan fan regardless of my brother, right? It was that transcending, but. He also was a Jordan fan, 98, some reason, Alonzo Mourning. That was my brother's second favorite player. So when wow. Jordan, so he has loyalty issues because he was an adult. I was a kid, so I have an excuse. But um, he basically was like, hey, Alonzo Mourning's my second favorite player. He was a Heat fan. I was like, all right, Jordan's gone. I don't like. Nothing about the Warriors appealed to you being around that and being able to watch their games on local television? I, I honestly, I never watched the Warriors. Honestly, I wow. watched some. I watched some, you know, like crash or just not exciting, or you had no interest in it. 
I just had no interest because I was a Bulls fan, so I'm not gonna. Oh, so you, so you only watch Jordan games, really? No, I watched like NBA. Like, I, oh. sure, I would watch Warrior games. I mean, I was still a kid. I was still like playing basketball, like playing soccer, hide and go seek, just hanging out with my friends, like riding bikes and stuff. So, I wasn't able to watch every single game, like you know, because I was busy. But I mean, I definitely did watch Warrior games because I still loved the game, and and yeah. of course, I watched what they televised, which was obviously every single warrior game on the local channel. So, I mean, I do remember like the run TMC kind of stuff back in the day, Mullen and, and Hardaway and, and was rich Mitch been on the team as well. So yeah, for sure. So I, you know, I, I watched them, but not as diligently as I watched, you know, Michael Jordan. So, so yeah, I mean, my brother's like, I'm a, I'm a heat fan. I'm like, all right, I guess I'll be a heat fan too. Just cause you are with, with no context, with no reasoning besides my brother likes them. And that was, a, that was in 1998. And that's 24 years now I've been a Heat fan. And they've only been in a franchise, I think, since 1989. Right. Yeah. So I've pretty much been a Heat fan for almost in the entire existence of the organization. So, um, you been to a game out there? Actually, so yeah, I've only been to one. I've seen the Heat many times in like LA, right? Yeah. It. So I worked for the LA Clippers, a little plug there. Yeah. Um, and in 2010 to 11, I was uh Blake Griffin. Hey, you gotta you gotta tell us the great moment about the Blake Blake Griffin against uh Duncan on Kendrick Perkins, man. How how was that? Oh man, that that was ridiculous. As well as the one with uh DeAndre Jordan on on Brandon Knight. I was there for that game as well. I think there was another one on like Timothy Mozgov that I think I was there. That was ridiculous. He had like several dunks in that game that he just destroyed Mozgov and Gallinari. Hundred percent. Blake show was amazing um and also it's funny so uh, i was in sales so selling sponsorships season tickets spawn like uh suites and uh so i was selling before the chris paul trade i was pitching blake griffin eric gordon right randy freaking foy right like just just like hope that like blake griffin you know he missed his first year because he had that injury off that dunk and it was like hey blake showed that he is athletic and he's exciting and he could be a good prospect and so selling that hope and then all of a sudden a little insider tip right insider nba we got that news that that trade was rescinded all my faker fans out there were so pissed so excited wow, so that's, that's something that you and that oh, and oh the great have in common you both call them the fakers oh 100 so all the all the friends excited you know chris paul kobe and you know luckily that didn't happen um thank you david stern um for rigging that that was amazing um but then we got this call from our front office saying hey can't say anything yet don't publicize this not public information we're getting chris paul and we were just like holy shit like what <laughs> like mind blown like what and like we're about to get this guy and his for his prime like oh my god i was, was calling time. i was calling businesses former season ticket holders before that trying to pitch blake griffin and uh gordon you know and like randy foy and then all of a sudden when the news broke my phone was ringing off the hook and everybody was just buying season tickets left and right right my, my i became like a like a stockbroker i feel like i was in boiler room like just picking up the phone just just slanging penny stocks and that's amazing the rest is history man but back to the heat back to the heat back to the team of the hour baby and i also call them team to beat miami heat because it rhymes and it rhymes for a reason baby because we are the team to beat right now. So let's D go. Wade, D Wade era was fun. Did D Wade become your second favorite player of all time after Mike? He became my second favorite player a hundred percent after Mike. And he might in theory be 
tied with Jordan or maybe ahead just because I've yeah, been a Heat fan. I, I've been a Heat fan for 24. Yeah, I've been I've been a Heat fan for my whole life, right? Like like I don't have Dwayne Wade posters, and then like I was. I was 18 or 19 when he came into the league, so it was a little different. I didn't. I had a million Michael Jordan posters on my wall, you know. But at that point, didn't idolize Wade as much, but I did idolize him as like yeah. a as a fan favorite. But yeah, it's funny. Just every year, it's so funny. People still ask me, like, "You're a Heat fan? Like, where are you from? California? Like, why? Like, LeBron, Shaq?" And I was like, "Hey, man, if that if I'm." If I'm a Heat fan because of LeBron, what kind of logic is that? I'd be a Laker. I'd be a Cavs fan at the time or a Lakers fan, right? Because I would follow him. Yeah. It's like no, I go, I go before Wade, right? And then Wade yeah. transcended the the organization, right, and helped LeBron win his first few rings, right? Maybe taught mm-hmm. him how to win. Yeah. <laughs> Some people may say so. So yeah, I mean, definitely. He had, definitely that, he had that it factor, D Wade, when he came. I think he played multiple years in college, and he just he just had it. I was a little bit. I was a LeBron fan from when I was young, and I was a little bit like, I want to say jealous in a way of like what Wade. Some, I knew Wade had something. It was like he had experience. He played like he had been there. He also was clutcher, made more, you know, better in the mid range. Um, but anyway, so let's get to tonight's game: the Miami Heat and the Celtics. Game three, the Celtics destroyed you guys last game, and you guys came out with the response of a championship-like team. A lot of the conversation was surrounded around Bam Adebayo only shooting six shots in game two. And this game, we probably saw maybe the best playoff game of his entire career. You can talk about if you think that, if you agree with that. But the way he was playing offensively, going at Al Horford to start, making some really skillful moves in the mid post, you know, turns over the right shoulder, jump hooks with the left hand, up and unders. I mean, what were you thinking of how he started? And what did you think of this game overall for him relative to his playoff career? I mean, Bubble Bam was amazing. Bubble Bam showed up tonight, right? That was that was his breakout. That was his first year as a starter. He was in Hassan Whiteside's shadow. His second year, I kept saying, this guy's going to become something, right? I watch every single Heat game for the most part, maybe 90% of all games for the last decade or so. And I'm like, this guy is reminding me of like an Amari Stoudemire-esque, higher ceiling Kevin Garnett. Type of player if he can develop his mid range. I assume in KG. No, his ceiling is like a KG. I, I was, I was. I don't know. That's gonna be. Well, do you still think that? No, I, I was renouncing the hell out of that. Okay, I, I, especially after the last few seasons. <laughs> but like after the bubble, though, that was his first season, right? And he broke out like his best. Awesome. His best playoff series was against the Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals. He averaged 22, 11, like five assists. He was objective. If if they had the participation, you know awards like they have now the eastern conference and they're gonna have a western conference mvp he would have won that award that year and he's been absent especially in the playoffs right and then in the regular season at times like he's been passive like he's not that alpha type of scorer like i mean he he is a great playmaker and a great defender so that's defensive player for a defensive player first and foremost but he's very capable of of putting up numbers but he's just never been aggressive and looking for a shot and there's some nights where he's like hey i gotta have some pride and i gotta just like i'm not there's no play set up right like spolster doesn't do a great job of setting up plays for bam jimmy butler doesn't typically set up bam right um a few players do which we can talk about but i just love the mindset that he heard all the noise of just like hey like if you're a max player you earned your contract we you would have got that anywhere else from any other team but 
we need you to be a scorer. And he's digressed in the playoffs this year, regular season as well, where there's times where he's like only shooting five to 10 shots per game. He was averaging around 15 or so per game this year. And in the first two games of this year, he shot 10 total shots. He was averaging five shots per game. And he had in the first two games, he had zero shots against, I know Williams missed tonight, but, and Horford missed one game, but against the two bigs, Horford and Williams, he had zero shot attempts. And he was guarded by Smart at times and, and Jalen Brown. And we were getting the ball in the post in, in game two. And he had three shots on Brown. He was one for three. But instead of realizing his size, his athleticism, his strength on Brown, he was backing him down, but doing a step back kind of fade away close to the free throw line. And he was one for three. And so in order for him to have success, me and other talking heads and fans of the Miami Heat said, hey, he needs to play, especially if Lowry's not playing, he needs to play face up, right, top of the key. And he needs to either take that shot because they are they were still giving him space, uh, just like Brooke Lopez did last year when the Bucks swept him and he wasn't taking those shots. But like, if they give you that space, you either need to take that pull-up mid-range shot at the free-throw line, or you need to freaking take Al Horford off the dribble because he's 35 years old and you're 24 years old. You have 11 years of youth. Take him off the freaking dribble. And he he did that. I mean, like he obviously played in the post as well, but he played much more aggressively, right? When he had Jalen Brown on him, he didn't do a fadeaway. He did a jump hook on top of him, or he took a couple extra dribbles and got even closer to the hoop, made some layups. And then, of course... Kyle Lowry. I know we'll get into that in a second, but there's there's no one better than him, and even Hero when when Hero wasn't suspect, and that's another conversation we could have later today. Um, but you know, Hero, Lowry, and then Duncan Robinson, who's obviously been MIA out of the rotation through the DHO, right? Typical play with him and uh, Robinson was the dribble handoff, and you know Robinson still. Great shooter, thirty-eight percent was just like the worst of his career, which is you know kind of amusing to think he would get rushed at because he still has gravity, right? All throughout the yeah. season, even if he plays today, he played a few minutes that weren't really meaningful. But like if he starts the next game, he's still going to get gravity, and he knows how to slip and pass the bam off that pick and roll. And yeah. so there's only a few guys, and like but without that, he's like I am have been embarrassed, and I need to get this on my own. Like I, he's a star. He's an all-star. He's not a superstar, but he's like, I got to have some pride and I got to be aggressive and get my own regardless who's on the floor. Yeah, he was fantastic. That was uh, well explained. And Kyle Lowry, I was going to get into that next as, as you were going there. Kyle Lowry, I thought, you know, in the beginning of the game, he did a good job getting them in transition a little bit. Uh, he had a three to start the game, but we also got to talk about the Heat's defense on the other end. You know, they, you guys, typical switching a lot basically everything and did a great job staying in front of the ball. Jason Tatum had a really tough night. Jimmy Butler was getting into those passing lanes, getting steals. You were for forcing turnovers on them all night long. And Marcus Smart, Al Horford were struggling. Illegal screens, you know, offensive fouls, missing jump hooks. Smart was forcing threes and just throwing up weird runners. But And Tice wasn't really doing anything. He was just kind of taking up space and – it didn't, they really seem to miss the time lord on both ends of the floor. Um, definitely had his lob threat on offense, and then obviously his rim protection on the defensive end, and being able to maybe do a better job than Bam. I'm sorry, than Horford on Bam. And that's one thing I, you know, Horford is not a slouch on defense, even though he is 35. And Bam did a hell of a job uh, sticking it to him in the in the first quarter. 
But JB, the only Celtic, in my opinion, who showed up in the first quarter. What did you think of the defense that you saw and the other parts uh, of the of the team besides Bam in the first? You guys were up 20 points after the first quarter. Yeah, I mean, I think we did a really good job on the perimeter. And so similar to Boston, you know, like on paper, we have some really good individual defensive stoppers. And then, but just as a team, we rotate really well. And just like the Celtics, we're also really good at defending the three and, and avoiding um, allowing teams to take the the corner three, which is like the most effective. And so I think we, we at times blitzed Jason, especially in the first quarter, blitzed Tatum and Brown and, and got Horford and Smart to take those shots. Horford, I think, shot better than Smart. He had like three threes, I think. I think Smart maybe made one or two. But we pretty much were just saying, hey, like, the, the role players need to to beat us, right? So they not, it's not like Luca. We didn't do no boxing one or anything like that and, you know, left the role players wide open. But I think we switched well, had good perimeter defense, and Jason Tatum, you know, had a hard time and, and started off really slow. And Kyle Lowry, I mean, he his hamstring, I, I was scared at first when he, when he ran out to the locker room and I didn't realize that he was just going back to, like, the stationary bike to, to keep his hammy warm. But... Mm-hmm. He, he he's a pit bull, you know, like he, he, stu- he still moves pretty well for a 36 year old. And, you know, he had switched on to Horford a few times and Tice, and he does a really good job of fronting bigs and making them uncomfortable. He had a couple steals in the first quarter, I believe. Um, PJ Tucker is just obviously That's one of those great. dogs um, had an obviously big impact on offense, but you know, was that defensive presence um, as always definitely helped out. Um, and then another player who did really well later, I think it was the uh, third quarter, because I don't think he really played much in the first half, was uh, Victor Oladipo. Like, he was a minus five, technically, because I think just Jalen Brown just went off in the end of the third and the fourth quarter, you know, hitting a bunch of shots and threes. But he had four steals. You know, he he made Tatum, or not Tatum, excuse me, Brown look uncomfortable, right? He was having he trouble was getting by him. Unreal on defense, Victor Oladipo in the second half. Unreal. But one thing I also wanted to say, besides that you guys forced a lot of turnovers, yeah, what you said, running them off the line, you guys clearly made an em- – it seemed like it was a clear emphasis tonight because you obviously they got really hot from deep in game two. And you guys, the closeouts were just unbelievable. The rotations, they had to make, you know, the secondary third pass. Third, you know, you made them go to option B, C, D. And it was just a an amazing first quarter, amazing first half. But you guys slipped up a little bit in that second quarter towards the end. Jason Tatum and Al Horford started getting going. And did you start to get uh, nervous a little bit there that you you could uh, you gave him a little momentum going into half, or did you feel all right still? I felt a little nervous naturally, just because Miami Heat basketball is torturous, and just like the San Francisco Giants, just like the San Francisco 49ers, like all my teams that I like for some reason are just super torturous. They're good at getting leads, but they're not good at holding them. And so that shot that Tata made was, you know, huge in terms of momentum. But, like, I wasn't too worried because, again, Tyler was taking some some bad shots. We were rushing our offense. Yeah. And so I, I knew that that would um, improve. Um, and I just knew as long as our defense was stout and they weren't making their threes, that 15-point cushion should be good. So I was like, okay, 21-plus in the first. Minus six in the half, right? We're up fifteen. We minus broke six, e- minus six in the second. 
He's second, excuse me. Yeah, and then we were and then we we're even in the third. The whole time I was like, break even. After the twenty point one lead, I'm like, even, even, even. So I was like, minus six. Okay, fine. Break even from that point. They were even. They went into the fourth quarter up fifteen. I'm like, just don't, just don't be minus one, right? Just don't let them get that sixteen points, right? To our fifteen or whatever that minus one would be. So, um, I was a little nervous and also there was, you know, the, the sixth man and I'm not talking about Tyler hero, but the, the zebras there. So, um, they were, th- th- there was a lot of tweets about that. And I saw, I've seen a lot that the free throw disparity tonight was, uh, atrocious. I'm, I'm biased, but I'm not, in, I'm not, in, I'm not completely biased, but like, and this is again, me going back to a nineties child, like NBA fan, like, like the NBA. And I'll say this all the time is so insanely soft. And and it's like almost unwatchable as a super fan. I'm like, it is just there's so many unnecessary whistles. There's so many unnecessary reviews of flagrant fouls. It's so inconsistent also. And there's so many weak fouls. Jimmy Butler gets weak ass fouls. Also, he gets some real ones, but I'm not biased. And then like, somebody will get clearly hit at the rim and they don't call it. And they don't call it. Like literally, I'm like, I'm not stupid. Like Jimmy Butler did not get fouled on that play. You know what I mean? But like, according to NBA rules, he, he got fouled. But I, I can't remember in this NBA any team that went into the fourth quarter down twenty-seven to five in free throws, like utterly insane. And it wasn't like the worst calls ever, but it just felt like the home team was getting home that whistle calls, classic playoff basketball. And, and and like and there was no, there was like one makeup call, like at the end, and like it was twenty twenty-seven to five. It ended up being like thirty something to sixteen, and that's only because of the last minute and 47 seconds that he were up and they had to play the free the foul game essentially right so like we only made up those free throws and they made up there's like a victor oladipo and one where williams did not even touch his freaking eyelash and they called it because they had to make up for it which i hate like i hate the whole makeup call aspect i hate the super always existed though the makeup calls yeah so i mean like I was nervous, but I was more nervous about the refs, you know, and like the refs have been doing this all throughout the playoffs. It's just like ruining momentum. I feel like just to get a team back into the game. It seems like, you know, that's how I felt. But overall, I mean, I'm so happy we we gutted it out. You know, that, that six point lead was, was torturous. I also wanted to say the Celtics weren't switching as much themselves, which was kind of surprising to me. A lot of playing drop coverage or more drop coverage in the second half, but a lot of hedging, and you guys were making all the right passes, making the pocket pass to Bam. You'd make the extra swing and getting a lot of uh, open shots. And, I mean, you guys didn't shoot that great from three, but it felt like you guys were making all the right plays, though, right? Getting easy baskets in the first half. Yeah, definitely. I mean, having Lowry back in, you know, our point guard with championship experience, you know, all-star, and having him look healthy. Like, look at him. He looked like 90%, right? And that's all I could ask for. And he was putting people in the right spots. He was putting Bam in the right spot. Um, everybody was just making that extra pass. The times where the Celtics did come back without the refs' assistance mm-hmm. was when the ball was stagnant and, and we were taking contested jump shots, um, which has been a problem in the first two games where Vincent or Hero are taking, they get the switch when it rarely happened and they're taking a contested shot over like a Horford or a Jalen Brown. And those are our two shorter guards and length has been a trouble for players like hero specifically. Um, but just really good ball movement. Um, Bam Adebayo had six assists in, in the first quarter. Right. So um, he had some really good vision and some good passes in the the first half as well. So 
I want to talk about the news that we got to start the third quarter, and that was that Jimmy Butler was out with a knee injury for the rest of the game. What were you thinking there? First, I was just confused, but then when they said inflammation, I was like, oh, shit. So that happened, I guess, in the first round against the Hawks, and he missed that one game. And I was nervous because of that, and I was just more concerned of, like, I didn't see anything. Was it, like, a non-contact injury? And just knowing no one has showed up besides – I mean, the first quarter, you know, we had some some guys show up. but Felt good you could still get it out? Felt, I mean – Amazing. Like, it's just super impressive. Not only did we bounce back, but we no, I'm saying, did you back. feel good at the time that you could still gut it out? Yes. Okay. And in, 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 in like a, in a biased way, but yes, but like because of the depth. And so Victor Oladipo, you know, he's played like 24. Unbelievable how he was moving his feet, active hands, guarding the best players. He looked like Drew Holiday out there at times tonight on D. Yeah. So like, but going back, so he's like, he played 10 regular season games, maybe. 12 he played he's played like in eight of the 11 playoff games or whatever number games we played so far so like under 20 games when jimmy missed um one game in the first round against the hawks game five that was the that was the game that oladipo was came back and showed everybody that he still has some stuff that's so that's the the, i I didn't expect that scoring because it was a second half and it was against a, a boston celtics defense and not you know an atrocious hawks defense um, but knowing that we have a guy capable, you know, he, he, he started for Jimmy Butler and he played 15 games at that point, you know, off, off multiple surgeries, quad injuries, and he had like 23 points and like helped us win, um, an impactful game in that first round. So I was like, okay, I was nervous. I was scared. I was pissed. I'm like, here we freaking go again. And I thought Victor will step up. And I mean, he did on the defensive end. He didn't step up on an offensive perspective, but again, the reason why I didn't get too, too worried in like my heart of hearts is that depth and we're so deep and we have players like Oladipo who can step up. Max Struess, even though he's a starter. Played very um, well tonight, in my opinion, though, Struess. Big shot. Big shot in the fourth quarter, but also Dude. overall four for seven or whatever it was. Just... And, and pretty decent. I mean, they were attacking him on defense, but, you know, he still has those moments where you just see how strong he kind of is, you know, relative to a Duncan Robinson or a hero. Uh, I thought – I think he holds his own. Yeah, and he's improved in the system. Like, he's just like, if you want to be on this team, you have to – if you want to be in the – if you want to stay in the rotation, right, or if you want to get minutes, you have to grow and develop. And players like him and – Gave Vincent and Caleb Martin this year two way contract. Caleb Martin was making a good impact too in the in the game. First quarter, yeah, he had he had eight points, three for four, some steals, nice and one rebound off a miss, and yeah, just like the the depth, um, you know, shows up at times when we need it, and we have players like again, Depot off the bench, Hero, which is just, gosh, that guy is just I'm losing losing faith in that guy. We could talk about that and how I don't think he deserves a max contract anymore. Um, but like, I know it's like the top seven, especially the top five are the most important when it comes to the playoffs. The superstars play the most minutes, so they're the most impactful, but they still need to rest. There's still eight to 10 minutes for the most part where the stars need to rest. And players like Pritchard coming off the bench or Williams is and Thies is like, or Thice is all the Celtics have, but we have a hero who's been absent. If we had the hero that was the sixth man of the year, I would be extremely confident and say that we're the favorites to win the title, but I don't think that's the case yet. 
but we have a hero. We have a depot off the bench. We have a str- we have a Gabe Vincent that's off the bench now that Lowry's healthy, right? And he's been our second best player in the first two games. He's an undrafted dealer who's literally was helping Jimmy the most in the first two games, averaging like 15 points a game. So I think it was just the depth that kept me a little calm, even though I was still scared and pissed off that like our superstar Jimmy, who's objectively the best player, I would say in this series. That's right. insane. No, it's not objectively. Jason Tatum has played against Giannis and KD and been amazing. I said this series, my friend. I didn't say in the playoffs. I said this series so far in the first two oh, games. Oh, you're talking about how they performed, or are you talking about who I think is a better player? I was saying who's been the best player in the series oh, so far in the oh, first two oh. games. And even though Jimmy it's was one on one. Oh, it's definitely not been Jason Tatum. It's been Jimmy Butler. He's been, he had 40 yeah, points, he had 29. No one helped him. I, I said right. in this That's series, right. not, right. not in the playoffs. Jimmy Butler. So, what do you think of Jimmy Butler's first half tonight before he got injured? I think he did amazing. You know what he did? He listened to the game plan and he gave Bam the ball. Yeah. yeah I, I've never seen him give Bam the ball that much. And and Bam, I've never seen Bam call for the ball that much. That's Literally great. asking for the ball in the high post and just Jimmy was deferring to him. Like Jimmy. Me, my bad. Yeah. No, you're good. Jimmy had like three shots in like the, the first half. Like he was just like playing good defensively, right? In the passing lanes. And he was just like moving the ball around, letting Kyle and, and Bam do their thing right so he didn't have the opportunity to be impactful impactful on the offensive event because he only played one half but like bam literally shot i think 10 shots in the first quarter and that was the same amount in the first two games right so jimmy just like hey we're gonna try to let bam be aggressive let's see what happens and he was making his shots so he was absent in the sense of he was just letting the other star on the team finally show up he played 20 minutes before he was injured he had eight points Shot three of three for eight from the field. In the third quarter, as you said, they broke even 25 points apiece. I don't know why, but it felt like to me the Celtics had the better quarter just momentum-wise because I felt like they kept inching closer. But you guys kind of got it back up to 15 by the end of the quarter. I think when uh, – I thought they started driving and kicking a little bit more, getting good looks, and Al Horford was making threes. Finally, Al Horford starting to show up. Then Marcus Smart got hurt, and that looked like a bad ankle injury. I did not think he was going to come back. Uh, what did you think of that? Because you know, he wasn't necessarily having a great game, but it, I thought for a second it was like he may be out for, for the series. But maybe that was overreaction. No, I mean, it looked – I thought – I didn't know what it was at first. thought it could have been like a knee injury. I also thought they were going to call the foul on the Miami Heat for some reason just because that's the way the whistle has been blown throughout the game. So I was just confused of what the call was, and then I was confused of how he got hurt, and then you saw how he landed completely on the ankle sideways, right? And so, yeah, I – Give him credit and respect for gutting it out. I mean, he come, yeah, he came back. That was want, extremely impressive. Want to be a Willis Reed kind of scenario, or maybe a Paul Pierce coming out in a wheelchair. Um, but yeah, I mean, it just in my mind, I just I just want this Heat team to play against the the most healthy opponent possible, just because everybody on Twitter and just all these soft ass NBA fans everywhere just have so many excuses and complaints, especially in real time. You know they don't. You don't. You don't talk about it as much after the season's over. Um, but just there's been so many complaints about injuries generally, which sucks. And then specifically with the Heat, like Capella, Collins weren't 100. percent Capella missed a game. Horf, I mean Embiid missed a couple games. Um, I didn't want it to be a part of the narrative now that like Marcus Smart is out for an extended time. But again, the media doesn't like Miami. We never get credit. Um, no one talks about Kyle Lowry. Being out. When, you had LeBron, when you had LeBron, you did. 
Well, sure, that's fair, but we're not talking about that team. And yeah. so, but no one talks about Lowry being out. Like he's been, he's missed more than half the playoffs. And like it's like you saw how impactful he is, and no one cares about that. Um, and then also even thinking about last year with like the Suns, like their run. Like if they won the championship, you'd be like, oh, Chris Paul finally won a championship. The Suns are amazing. What a like heroic, epic swing. Like from going from like 15 wins a year with Booker, no help to, you know, getting Chris Paul, the point fraud. Uh, he's not, I, I, he's one of the best. Point I don't think God on this show. I don't say that with no rings, no rings. I can't one time in the finals, but like if they won, you know, there's, there's no complaints last year about like, Oh, AD missed games. They, they beat the Lakers in the first round. And then like, Oh, second round, no Jamal Murray. And then like, Oh, third round, no Kawhi Leonard. They made it to the finals. Like that seems more like obscene than like what the heat had to deal with. Like Embiid came back. Like I know the thumb injury was more um, aggravating and more of an issue. I feel like than the, the, or, the orbital issue, right? Cause that's on a shooting hand. But I mean, he was there for four games and like, Still, we all I hear is just like the heater lucky because they looked, talk about the injuries, but they don't talk about our injuries. And the only thing with Embiid is he looked scared in Game Six to go to the paint. I think that's I thought he was maybe scared to get get it in the face or something. But what did you think? That was ridiculous. That he he was he was just shooting chucking up jumpers in that game. But um, yeah, I mean, but, Bam was also played spectacular on him on. On defense in Game Six, specifically, shot seven for twenty-four. Bam got That's a few saying, blocks. But I think he also settled though. Like I know Bam is such a great defender, but Embiid. I mean, we could go all day about Embiid, but I mean, yeah, yeah, he can. He should be able to sc- uh, shoot better than attack somebody in the post or something. Unless he was to me, I thought my theory was that he was scared to get hit in the face. But let's go Possibly with. Uh, so going in the fourth quarter was very uh, eventful, and. Marcus Smart, as you said, came back towards the end of the third quarter. One thing I have to say, you know, I was watching the game with some of my friends, and they're pointing it out, and I really agreed. And we've had this – there's been a criticism for the Jays, both of the Jays with this, but they get some really bad tunnel vision sometimes. Don't just move the ball quickly. Jason Tatum's gone a lot better with this, but he had those moments tonight that he reverted back to the old Tatum. And just the Heat did such a great job closing the gaps and just helping at well-timed help. And they just were not moving the ball fast enough. And then we had Jason Tatum get hurt. So, and he, he, it looked like what, a shoulder injury or something? Maybe a stinger, funny bone. Who knows? Yeah, that was another. I thought that, my bad. I thought uh, it wasn't a situation where I thought he was going to miss even the next game, but I thought, oh, maybe he's out for this game. But overall, I think, you know, he, he also came back. That's another Paul Pierce, like, as you say, can we want to be Paul Pierce from Willis Reed moment? JT coming back. But, I think the Heat are the ones that are, they had the biggest injury. It was Jimmy Butler missing the entire half. You know, Smart and Tatum came back. So the fact that you guys still won the game is a testament to, as you guys, as you said, the depth and just how well coached this Heat team is and resilient team and the and the performance of Bam. But I also, you know, want to give my flowers to or give flowers to Jalen uh, Brown. He was amazing. He was hitting tough shots, jumpers, step backs, getting to the basket. What were you uh, thinking of the way he was heating up? Because he cut the game down to to one point, 93-92. Anybody that wasn't Oladipo, he was going at them. Uh, they were trying to hunt Max Struess in the pick and roll. And, man, Jalen Brown t- was turning the corner on guys. He was putting on the whole show. Best One of the best playoff games of his entire career. Yep, 40 points, still lost. Wow. Got to love that feeling. Jimmy Butler said if he scored 40 points in that game one and lost, he'd be so freaking pissed. So I wonder how Jalen's feeling tonight. 
um, mid range. I, I think he's pissed. Yeah, I love. Yeah, when he's getting in the mid range and he's embracing it, pulling mid range, mid range, wet first quarter kept him in the game. Besides the refs, uh, refs a hundred percent. This we should have won by twenty. They should not have been close. I'm I'm sorry. I'm not they, trying to... They're the reason why the they they uh the Celtics made a push is because the refs. 27 to 5 in free throws in the fourth going into the fourth quarter. They had 20. Yes, they had like, they had like yes, yeah. they, had, they had like 18 to two, 5 on the turnover. Like, like, come on, we were like rebounds were close. They have like they started getting like good offense rebounds because the Celtics started shooting a lot more threes. And Williams and Horford were starting to get some offensive boards smart as well to keep them close besides the free throws. But going back to Brown, yeah, mid range was wet. He had like 12 points in the first quarter, down 20. One in the first quarter, like if he missed a few of those shots, it could have been 26 or 27 going into the second quarter. And then third quarter, fourth quarter, he was just attacking, driving to the rim, right? Getting up and under scoops, um, just driving by his defender. And so like he kept him in the game. And then the fourth quarter, also, he started making those those threes late in the game to even keep them even closer. Cut it. We'll cut it down to one, cut it down to nine, cut it down to eight, and then cut it down to one eventually. Super impressive, you know, but like, again, sometimes his issue, I thought, was that him and Tatum were taking shots quickly early in the shot clock and and semi-contested, you know, versus trying to get to the basket or get to that mid-range. Like, Jason Tatum specifically, like, I don't feel like he had, like, any baskets at the rim, right? Like, I feel like it, what, was he three for something? Three for 14? Three for 14, yeah. This was his worst game maybe of the playoffs this year, I thought, you know. Yeah, like, like. Game yeah. one, he had because in game one at least he had a good first half. This was just bad. Uh, game three against the Bucks, he was no good either. So I'd say those three games, but he's been amazing in the playoffs overall. But just not a great night for him. And I think that he's really the reason, main reason why they lost. I mean, he's the best player. He's the guy. He's the guy who's outplayed KD in the series, who outplayed Giannis in the last two games of the series. And it was a tough night for him. But Jalen Brown got the C's back in the game. Jason Tatum came back in the game and they were feeding the hot hand, which I liked at the end with Jalen Brown, not really going to Tatum as much, even though he had Kyle Lowry on him on switches on occasion, they didn't go to him, but you know, hindsight is 2020. I always say feed the hot hand. Um, hundred percent. I agree but, with that. But you guys, you know, PJ Tucker, before we get into that, I want to get into the final plays that were made. The big plays, PJ Tucker, big game from him, two offensive rebounds, seven rebounds overall. Great defense. 17 points, though. I talked about last game. He was being hesitant to shoot, not taking that push shot when it was there, traveled, and just kind of passed up open shots. Tonight, 5 for 10 from the field, 3 for 6 from 3. He brings that toughness, that energy. What did you think of PJ tonight? Defense always there. He's always going to be aggressive. Uh, He's like our Draymond Green. He's like our, our Marcus Smart. And so you saw him. Again, on free throws, boxing out Jason Tatum, talking to him, pushing him around, right? Trying to get into his head. Just love his effort on the offensive board. And threes, you know, obviously no hesitation. Uh, a lot of times he likes to try to, like, hand it back off to Tyler or, or Lowry or whoever, Vincent, um, instead of just shooting it quickly. And he he had a couple wide open shots, but he, he did make um, one of those threes that was contested. So just huge shots. He made a couple nice push shots, I, I believe, in the first quarter and in the fourth quarter. He had one bunny that he missed that I thought he was going to lose the game for us because we're up four. Bam had an amazing pass, got double teamed. He cut to the hoop. He had a reverse layup, and he freaking basically airballed it off the backboard. Um, but he made up for it, um, hitting some big clutch free throws towards the end. So game two, game one, 
you know, he shot like 50% from the free throw line and he hit, I think four huge free throws when we we're down, down six or up six, excuse me, and up eight to take it back up to an eight point lead or a 10 point lead. So very clutch when, when necessary defense is always going to be there, but it's just, if he's ever getting over 10 points for you, then there's a high chance we're going to win, right? If he's in the 15, 17 point range and Max Drews is playing well, and Bam's playing well, right? And if Jimmy was there, he would have been in double digits. If we can get like four to five guys in double digits, I feel like the Heat are going to win no matter what because of their defense. Um, and the three-point shot just hasn't been there, and that's our bread and butter. And that that makes me optimistic um, about potentially winning the championship. And so we've been shooting 38% in the regular season, number one in the NBA. I think we're like at 29 to 30% in the playoffs. And we're, we're we have not got back a single game where we even have been close to over 38% and we've still won two series and we're up two to one in this series. Right. I, I honestly think 36% is the best we've done. We started off pretty good with TJ hitting PJ hitting some Struce hitting some threes, Vincent Lowry. I think we started off like 40% or high fifties, right. To start off like the first, almost the first half. And then we started missing shots because Celtics played better D, but we still missed a lot of open shots. So I think three-point shooting is one of the biggest aspects in this entire series, just because yeah, we're both such good every defenders. Series, to be honest, almost every and in, in the NBA now, the yeah, way that the, the teams operate, yeah, it's just like Celtics were ten for twelve, and I didn't watch the last game. Honestly, I watched the first quarter, but I was I was in Denver for a work conference, so I wasn't able to. So I watched the first quarter, and that was all I needed to see was just ten for twelve, and then the final score, which you I think you texted me later in the night. I didn't notice that it was twenty out of forty. I'm like, if the Sacramento Kings or the Houston Rockets or the Orlando Magic were somehow in a one-game playoff playing against the best teams in the NBA, if they put up that number, like 23s out of 40, they would have won the game most likely. Like any team can win if you're making 60 but they points. they got to create those shots, though, against your defense. The Sacramento Kings are not getting those same shot quality attempts against playoff Miami Heat defense. Fair. 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 Well, so let's go fourth quarter, 31-22 Celtics. They won that quarter, but the plays that really kind of sealed the deal, when Jalen Brown made that three to make it 93-92, Max Struess came off the screen and just caught and shot and made a three to answer back and quiet the crowd to make it 96-92. What a shot that was. And then I believe it was... Bam hitting a Kobe Bryant-esque pump fake, got the guy in the air, leaned in, threw it up, didn't even get the whistle, and still made the shot. Heat went up by six. And what did you think of those plays? I mean, incredible plays. Bam Adebayo continued his great play throughout the game. Even though he was better in the first half, and they maybe should have gone to him a little bit more in the fourth quarter, he was just amazing. He he made the big shot. I mean – a fluke maybe but he he didn't get the whistle again the the zebras weren't in our favor of this game so i mean but just a big time shot like awareness he had good awareness that like i don't know why i, I forgot who passed him the ball um it was one of our guards had the ball with like three seconds left and they instead of taking the the baseline shot or driving baseline they handed it off to bam uh good awareness to make that shot got fouled didn't get it but just Loves his confidence. I feel like the confidence that he had, the aggressiveness that he had helped influence the candidate for rhythm and confidence to like make that shot. Right. He wasn't hesitant about that at all. Not at all. Max Struess just 
very clutch for us in the fourth quarter. That yeah. that that three put us up back by ten. I think PJ hit a shot after that, or a three put us back up to like thirteen, with like four minutes to go. And so I was starting to feel a little more confident. Like as long as our defense can play well, we can rebound, not turn over the ball, stop fouling them because they were in the bonus. I feel like with like seven minutes to go in the fourth quarter, um, I felt super confident. And you know they they just kept coming back. You know Brown hit, hit some shots. Horford hit a three. Smart hit a three. Got an offensive rebound. And when they brought it down to four points and then one point with that Jalen Brown three, who who came up big again with a few minutes to go. I think it was maybe like a minute forty seven or so. Two minutes left in the game when they came back within one. And and who comes off a, a screen. On, on the left wing, and it's Max Struess with a catch and shoot, you know, 27 foot three, nothing but net. Just the confidence of just a catch and shoot, no conscience, you know, like just thinks he belongs, showing he belongs, showing the Celtics hopefully made a huge mistake by cutting him. Um, that was huge. That put us back up by four. And then I think Bam then scores. Yeah, jumper. That jumper, that was right after. That right? shot clock violation, too, that you guys had. That yep. they had, I should say, that you forced them into. So big time defense, big time shot. Uh, Jason Tatum turned the ball over with a minute nine left as well. And PJ Tucker made. Jesus. Was that commercial of? Yeah. Well, no, it was a commercial because I'm on the, I'm seeing the final, I'm being reminded of the final plays. But Marcus Smart had another bonehead sequence. Tonight at the end when it was a six-point game with a minute left. First, you know, they let the shot. They got you guys down to 10 on the shot clock, and he fouled then when they were over the limit. Like, are you going to – it was a two-possession game, like 48 seconds left. Just if you're, you're not going to foul, you're not going to foul. If you're going to foul, foul quick. Not wait for the shot clock because uh, now it's going to reset to 14. If even, right. if, even, even if it wasn't a – even if you weren't over the limit. So that was bonehead. Put – Somebody to the line, I forget who. You took the eight-point lead, and then the inbounds where he didn't realize Kyle Lowry was right behind him, and Kyle Lowry made a classic Kyle Lowry play. He had his good and bad moments in the game. Yeah, looked a little bit rusty, um, but he made a big play. And then was it Struess, I think, that finished it, and that basically sealed the win for the Miami Heat, taking a 2-1 series lead, taking home court advantage back to Wade County. 109-103. 2-1 in favor of the Heat. Tell me your thoughts. Big win. So I was on my, my podcast earlier today, and we did a uh, Suns uh, – not excuse me, Suns. Uh, we did a Warriors-Mavs recap and then a preview for the Heat game, and, and we all picked the Heat to lose today. So um, I picked the Heat to lose by, I think, seven. You picked your and- own team to lose? Yeah, well, I mean, again, I'm not a homer. I'm not like I'm not biased. Uh, I'm not well, delusional. Game three, it's a fifty-fifty shot. Well, I I just thought the momentum, right? Like the, the Celtics are confident after winning huge. They're playing in the Garden, right? And I just thought just that home court advantage um, would carry in for the momentum they had from the last game, and that they would they would win. And it's harder to steal that game, um, typically, right? But I thought game four would be the game that we could potentially steal so pleasantly surprised happy we won home court advantage um back so just super excited you know wasn't expecting us to win this game was hoping that we would steal one um and i knew we would steal one and i was i just didn't think we would blow 
game two as badly as we did or or lose home court advantage because we were seven and oh you know at home just like the warriors were right the only two teams that didn't lose at home so happy we got to steal one huge bounce back game from the miami heat again showing their resilience but also just a huge game for bam Adebayo. if if we get this bam Adebayo, like not necessarily a 31 10 and 7 bam but if we can get a bam who can score his season averages which are 21 points a game 10 rebounds three assists instead of like 13 points 21 points a game 20 points a game excuse me so he averaged 20 10 like three uh blocking a steal but in the playoffs he's been averaging like 13 points seven rebounds hero we didn't really even talk about was 21 off the bench sixth man of the year he's been averaging like 12 13 points himself um if we can just get them to go back and to their mean just to what they're averaging and the way jimmy's been playing right if he's not seriously hurt which i don't think he is i don't see this team losing like with the with the depth that we have right with the defensive mentality we have with players like Struess and oladipo now lowry back like i don't see us losing if bam can be the bam of the eastern conference final bubble right and hero doesn't even need to get back to like the sixth man. If he can get to like 16 points a game, 17 points a game, and not 12 points a game, and shooting five for 20 or whatever he shot for tonight, I, I think we have we have the depth. And Jimmy Butler is showing that he's one of those guys. That, like he he's in that conversation. Playoff Jimmy is is in the conversation for top 10. He's in the conversation oh, definitely. 100. He's in the conversation of top five of the playoffs currently. Like yeah, definitely this the entire playoffs. Amazing. Yeah. Top three, maybe, right? I mean, maybe like it, it could be Giannis, Luca, Jimmy, like in this entire playoff so far. If he beats Tatum, of, I'll say that. But Tatum is right there. He didn't show tonight. I mean, not that's un, that, that's that's uh, that's unacceptable. If you're if you want to be a superstar and you Come shoot on. four for thirteen, four for thirteen at home, Jimmy like, hasn't had a bad shooting night in this playoffs. Not not like that. He's the most efficient scorer. Like he's shooting fifty five percent in these playoffs. Like all right, well. I'll give them the edge for now, but you, is, it What's your, say, is it fair to say they've played better teams? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Okay. All right. Fair enough. I'm going to read the box scores for the, for the Celtics. They had three guys that played 13 or more minutes off the bench. Those are the re- usual suspects, Derek white, Peyton Pritchard and Grant Williams. Peyton Pritchard only played 13 minutes today. He was great in game two, only got one shot off today and made it. Um, but he was plus seven. So he actually, I thought his minutes were actually pretty decent. Uh, Derek white donut. 0 for 2, congratulations to him. Had a kid, missed game two. Um, Not really much there for me. Had a nice strip at one point, but also just didn't make make the right play at times. I can't think of exact specifics, but I remember there was one time I thought he should have swung the ball, but he was whatever. And then 39 minutes played for Grant Williams, 10 points, 5 boards, 2 for 6 from the field, and 2 for 4 from 3. He was solid as usual, but the – they ran him off the line. They didn't let him get too many open looks like the the Milwaukee Bucks did in Game Seven. And did did Grant Williams shoot well last game? I'm not sure. I didn't watch the last game, so I I mean I watch every single game, but yeah, just, well, I wasn't able to. But I don't think he's been shooting well in the playoffs. Let's put it yeah, that way. Hundred percent. Only 11 minutes for Tice. Didn't even get a shot off. One point. And then the other four, the best four players in the squad, Al Horford. He played 42 minutes, had 20 points and 14 rebounds. I thought he did wow. that in the first half. I know the stat line definitely doesn't reflect how well he – that stat line does him a little bit too much. Uh, doesn't I don't want to say it doesn't do him justice. It does, it does him too much justice. 
he was he would didn't have a good first half to me, but second half he was really good. 20 points, 14 boards, seven for 14 shooting, and three for five from deep. And then Marcus Smart, 16 points, four boards, seven assists. Thought he started playing well better in the second half, but just made some bad plays and then just made some low IQ plays early in the game and then very late in the game. Six for eleven from the field, one for four from deep. And then the Jays. Tatum, as we said, 10 points, six boards, four assists, six turnovers, three for 14 shooting, and one for seven from deep. Only got four free throws and made three of them. And then Jalen Brown, 40 points, 14 for 20, three for nine from deep, and nine of 12 from the line. Definitely 75% is not good enough for somebody shooting that well to me. I don't know. He He should not be missing so many free throws. The Celtics shot 23 for 30 from the line. 37.5% 37.5% from deep, 12 for 32, and then 48.6% from the field, even with the Heat's great defense. But they turned the ball over 23 times, seven turnovers for Jalen Brown and four for Marcus Smart. So 13 for the Jays alone out of 23. That's the game right there. That's the game. And I looked it up too. Grant, Grant Williams had 19 and four in game two. So two, game two for two from three. So yeah. he had a spectacular game. But Again, 23 to 8 in turnovers, it's the Zebras, man. As great as Jalen played, as great as Horford played, that just makes me even more embarrassed for the Celtics, if you're a Celtics fan, that Al Horford put up 20 and 14 and Jalen Brown put up 40 and you lost. It was Jason Tatum. It was the Jason, Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum, look in the mirror. Like, still, Marcus Smart had a pretty damn good game. Even though he got injured, he didn't miss that much time. He missed, like, a few minutes in the game, right? Three minutes. So, I mean... Jalen Brown had more than double the free throws than the Heat did going into the fourth quarter. Like, I'm sorry, like we consistently kept that double digit lead until the maybe six minute mark or five minute mark of the fourth quarter when they finally got it down to nine. We brought it back to 12, 13, back to eight, finally down to four to one. And then we took it back to the double digit lead. The constant was the refs because the Celtics kept shooting themselves in the foot with those turnovers. Tatum has averaged six or five or six turnovers in this this playoff series thus far and that's that's also unacceptable i know game one there's no smart like smart's not even a true point guard i know he's a better playmaker and um a better guard in that sense but like tatum in game one had like seven turnovers six in that third quarter um when he was you know playing more on the ball but still like come on you got to be better than that that's like reminding me of james freaking harden right like freaking Pillsbury Doughboy over here, just turning the ball over all day. But still, like Jalen Brown had twelve free throws in the fourth, and we had five as a team. Like that's unacceptable. Like the refs literally were giving everything to the Celtics. We were got not getting anything. There's also one where Grant Williams looked like he played good on Bam, where Bam had a turnaround jumper at the end, or he was attempting a turnaround at the free throw line, and he swiped the ball out of his hands right before the shot clock, and. They showed the replay. Like, yeah, sure, he got some ball, but he also slapped him across the wrist. And they actually did a review, and they overturned it. Like, come on. Like, if it's hand, that's fine. Hand's part of the ball. I play basketball. You know, I don't I don't call weak shit. Again, I'm a 90s child. Like, I think the NBA is the softest sport right now. I think badminton has more contact now than basketball. Like, no joke. Even after, even after this year's rule changes? Even after this year's last year was just uh, like obscene. The the, fouls the last there. couple of years were just ridiculous. Some of them. Luca, fucking Harden, you know Trey. They changed the freaking rules because of them. But they clearly s- slapped him on the wrist right here. Yeah, right here. Like you get him here, you get him here, you get him here, and swipe the ball. Even if you touch the ball first, like you still 
followed through while he still had the ball in his hands and hit his wrist, and they didn't overturn it. Another BS thing, too, was Marcus Smart went up for a shot in the first quarter and elbowed Bam in the face. Oh, yeah, I remember and that. They called a foul on Bam. And then third quarter, second quarter, Caleb Martin does a Euro step against Martin, elbows him in the face, doesn't extend his elbow. He just goes up like this, hits him, doesn't extend out, and they call an offensive foul on, on him. Like, where's the consistency on that? Like, it was literally the same fucking play. Excuse my language. I'm not no, tripping. This is this is a dime dropper. It's very uncensored. So yeah, fuck fuck this shit, dude. So like literally it was the same it's just so inconsistent, and that's across all games, not just this series. So um yeah, I mean the turnover game, that tells you a story right there. Like yeah. like like almost ninety percent of teams, if they have that ratio, twenty whatever the hell it was, two to eight, twenty-six to eight, you're not gonna win a game, right? Especially when the numbers are that close in terms of field goal percentage, assists. They're very close, you know, 47% for the heat shooting the ball, 33% from deep, almost the exact same amount of attempts. You guys shot 33, made 11 of them. They shot 32, made 12 of them, 12 for 14 from the line for you guys. So even though you didn't get many free throw attempts, at least you made them, you took care of the ball. Um, you guys went pretty deep in the bag of players tonight duncan robinson played four minutes Dwayne deadman played three minutes but you really played an eight-man rotation caleb martin 10 minutes but 20 minutes each for oladipo and hero oladipo had five points and four steals but what a talk about a stat line that does him no justice at all for how well he really played unbelievable performance and then yeah, tyler hero four for 15 eight points over six from deep tell me what you thought of those two performance kind of opposite end of the spectrum i think on this one yeah if you're a casual you don't think you think Oladipo's a scrub, unless you watch the entire game as well. Because if you weren't watching, then you just think, oh, he's one for four, not really making much of an impact. And even without the steals, like he was locking up Jalen Brown. Like he was making him uncomfortable, making him take some bad shots. Um, he was just amazing. Like he, he's got that footwork, you know, like his, that, that second surgery, I think, has done him justice so far, right? I think he has his legs under him. Uh, he has confidence. He wasn't. He didn't need to score necessarily, right? Um, it was more of just a defensive impact that he had. Yeah. And he was making Jalen uncomfortable, um, which was wonderful. And then Tyler yeah. Hero is just ah, I'm at my wit's end with that guy, man. I, I just, the ball stopping, holding the ball too long, taking tough shots. Yeah, man. Just like some bad passes. Just like not great at defense. You know, we're we were playing the zone to protect him. I think like, obviously it was an adjustment. They weren't making shots, but he and here are hero and Duncan were on the floor at the same time. So I think you definitely got to play zone to protect them too. But mm -hmm. he, if he's not scoring, then he's a liability on defense. And he's like the biggest negative, like in terms of plus and minus, like on the heat in the entire playoffs. And he's due for a, an extension and a max. And he's not showing that he's, that he's worthy right now. He's, there's different reasons for why he hasn't been effective in each series, but there's no excuse at this point. Like, like the inconsistency is just needs to end. Like he's had a few impactful games, but like only a handful across the entire playoffs, right? Like out of, out of 11 or 12 games, he's had like three or four good games. And it's just like unacceptable. Uh, again, he's averaging like 12 points a game, you know, down from 21 points per game. And yeah, I just like, I just, like Bam, he needs to have some pride and and some moxie, right? And like have an ego to say like, "Hey, I'm gonna get my buckets." Like Peyton Pritchard did the the, the too small gesture to Spo and the bench, you know, in game two. And just like I know he's a 
tenacious kind of annoying defender, but like you, you got to take advantage of, of that versus when Jalen Brown's on you. Cause he doesn't do good against size or Tatum switches on him. That's respectable. Horford switches on him. Uh, Williams, you know, either Williams, like that's, that's tough because they're strong and tall, but to not taking advantage of white, not taking advantage of Pritchard, even Marcus smart. Um, who is the defense player of the year? He's had his moments against him back in the bubble when he dropped 37 on him. It's just in the playoffs, you got to show up. And, and Pat Riley, the godfather, says that playoffs will tell that if this, per, this if this player is is deemed worthy of a contract and a future with the team, playoffs will tell. And and he hasn't done shit in the playoffs this year or last year. Bubble. He did. That was his breakout, right? So he had his he had his breakout and then regressed a little bit or just didn't do as well his sophomore year, had the slump, and then elevated his game, you know, this year. And and the lights shine the brightest in the playoffs and, and he's not showing up right now. And my question to you is if you're the Heat, you you give him a max. No. Based on this performance. Not a max. I don't think Tyler Heroes worth a max. But anyway. Let's go to this. Uh, Gabe Vincent also, 19 minutes, one of four from the field. Didn't have the best shooting night like the last two games. But then the starters now, besides Jimmy, who we already talked about, Struess, 16 points, six for 12 from the field, and four for seven from deep. He was awesome. Kyle Lowry, 29 minutes played, four for 11, two for seven from deep, 11 points, six rebounds. I'm sorry, no, 11 points, six assists, four steals, and only two turnovers, so he took care of the ball. Um, decent compared to the Celtics, at least. And then PJ Tucker, 17.7 boards, five for 10 from the field, three for six from deep. Bam out of bile, the player of the game, easy. 31, 10 rebounds, six assists, four steals, and a block, plus 17, 42 minutes, 15 for 22. Only one free throw. So those were, that's a lot, a lot of shots made, a lot of field goals made. And he shot very well. He was the man. Indeed. But uh, any last words? That plug your own podcast as well. But it's going to be a good series. It's interesting to have somebody that rooting for the Heat on the uh, on the podcast because uh, I don't think we've had one yet. But plug yourself because you just made a podcast. Yeah, so I just started a podcast with a couple of my friends. We it's funny we call it the the Boozers Basketball Podcast. So just the podcast. Is it Carlos can... Boozer? No, I'm just kidding. No, definitely not. <laughs> The joke was gonna be like, yeah, Carlos Boozer's our favorite basketball player, so that's why we <laughs> named it. Now I was thinking like the Hoosiers, the Boozers, and then just drinking some beers, talking basketball with friends. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So it's me. I'm a Heat fan. My friend is a Laker fan, and then the the other co-host is just an NBA fan. Doesn't have a team, so it's called the Boozers Basketball Podcast. So just putting out content. There's no real cadence, just the playoffs. So we're putting out as many podcasts as we can. So we'll try to put out like two to three per week. Hopefully we can get you as a um, guest one of these next times for, yeah. for one of our recaps. Haven't done a live yet. Still trying to build up an audience, but I don't think yeah. you can go live to get a thousand. Can you? Uh, I don't know. No, I you can do, you could do like the premiere thing, I guess, or whatever. Like you could schedule uh-huh. it like in the future. So yeah, yeah, yeah. You can premiere is different, but yeah, yeah. We don't need you live. You can come on a, a pre-recorded if you're, if you're down. down for whatever i'm down for whatever you uh so you're only on youtube just on youtube for now yeah okay. i'm uh, we're gonna put it on uh podcasts eventually but for now it's just on youtube for sure so hey 
thanks for coming on. This was fun talking again. I hope it'll probably not be the last time. You're good at this, man. You're actually pretty good at this. I mean, it's pretty natural. If it's the one only what? Have you even done 10 yet? No, I think Dude, you seem I mean you seem like you've been doing it for a while. But um, oh yeah, we got a couple questions by the way in the live. Uh by the way, if you guys are asking me, I know I'm surprised you guys haven't asked this yet, but am I gonna talk about the game room last night? I actually didn't get to watch it with the magnifying glass that is worthy for a recap. So what I'm gonna try to do is watch a little bit of it tomorrow before the game, and then I'll kind of like do two and one in a way, just talk about it and move on to the game three. So sorry, Warriors fans, sorry, Mavs fans. Um, I don't know how many Mavs fans I really got, but Warriors fans, I know there's a couple that listen to me. Apologies. Big time second half, though. I saw that. Um, oh, yeah. But let's see. We had some questions. What do you consider Eric Spo now as a coach all time? You know me. I'm big into history. Um, you know, I'd actually have to sit down and make a list. Definitely not top five. I think Spo's great. Top 10, maybe. There's a lot of great coaches that don't get talked about in the history of the league. Um, so, yeah, I think we could go. I'd have to sit down and think about it. He's great, though. He's building up the resume. And, I i mean, I'm not going to – whatever it is right now on my list, it's, if I make one, it's not going to be changed whether he wins or loses this – actually, no. It's not going to be changed if he loses this series. But if he wins the championship – It should be. We can, we can reconsider this conversation. What uh, do you – well, going back real quick, what do you define – like, how do you define – A great coach? An all-time coach. Is it just rings? Like, I guess that- – I guess rings and how, how you, I guess the teams that you coach and how you get them. Um, but I still think winning rings is, I mean, what, Spoh's got two rings? Yeah, with the big three. Yeah, he's co- three, three technically. Man. He's got, he had one as an assistant when the, you're right. He, was, you know, he, was he an has that ring. I'm just talking about as a head coach. I was yeah, yeah. talking that. But yeah, I'd say a lot of, a lot of it rings. Definitely my, my top 10 would probably all be guys that have rings, even though like respect to the Don Nelsons, the Jerry Sloans, but. There's a lot of great coaches like Red Holzman, Alex Hannum, who the only coach to beat Bill Russell in his career, coached Wilt and actually got Wilt to buy in, which was not easy. But um, we can go all day with that one. Turnovers, uh, was it more Celtics carelessness or heat defense stirring things up? What do you think about that? I guess it, it – I, But, yeah, definitely both. My answer is whatever lens you're looking at it from. If you're a Heat fan, you're going to say it's your defense. If you're a Celtics fan, you're going to say we just had unforced errors, which they had a little bit of both. Um I'd say as a non-biased Heat fan, both because you saw yeah. the amazing defense by Kyle Lowry uh, on ball defense with Victor Oladipo. They both had four steals each. Um, so it was kind of a combination of both. I think Marcus Smart was kind of lazy at times with passing. Same with Jason Tatum. So. Absolutely. And then taking too long to pass sometimes as well. Someone, uh, Kyle's take says, is that a blue Yeti that's intended for you? I think so. Yeah, it is. It is from the looks of it. It looks pretty silver to me, but yeah, sure. it looks like <laughs> um, Kyle's take says, who are the injured players today that you think is going to play next game? I think honestly, they're all going to play. Everybody Smart may feel it though. Bad tomorrow. Yeah. He's not going to have that adrenaline, but I think the way he, he looked, he, he should be fine. If, if you're the heat, do you not risk it with Jimmy? If he can't go and just say, we're going two two back to Miami or not. I feel like you just like, shoot him up in the knee. I thought he was going to come back in this game. Cortisone? Cord- yeah, man. Just get him a little shot. Real quick. Style. Uh, that's tough, man. I-, I think if it's Kyle Lowry, maybe you say Kyle Lowry can be shelved, but I don't think you could sit Jimmy Butler. Like, And he's the type of guy who's not going to want to sit. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm curious, though. Like, Do you think he made that decision to sit out, or do you think it was the training staff? Training staff, yeah. probably. I think he's competitive like that. There's no way, right? Like PJ Tucker would be like, okay, I'm gonna like. I, I mean, think it depends he, on how much pain he was in too. Could he? Because was he limping? Like, 
you know? I didn't see anything, but That's like saying, nobody saw anything. Imagine the uh, as tough as Jimmy is. Imagine the training staff telling PJ you can't come out. I think he, I think he he starts he start like throwing blows to the training staff. Right, that guy is an ultimate competitor. So I'm happy he was back on the floor as well because he had you know that that knee issue as well, that contusion. So happy to see him healthy on the floor. Kyle's take says three Heat players had four steals. Who's so the third? Uh, I'm not sure. I'd have to go back to the box where I literally just closed it out. Apologies. It wasn't. It was. A, it wasn't Bam, right? You said Bam Tucker. I don't know, but don't know. anyway, he said crazy how LeBron tried to get Spo fired in 2010. Yeah, that's a that's a story. Kyle's take says, are winning seasons a factor when it comes to all time rankings of coaches, like regular seasons? I mean, I guess, but it's like also just team dependent. You know what I mean? Like, it really is all about your the talent that you're coaching. At the end of the day, it's a player sport, and you're not winning championships without talent. And I know you can kind of make the playoffs without a lot of talent, but you still need some guys. Like, you know, for right. example, Glenn Rivers. You know, you can say that he did a really good job with our 2019 team, but that would be sliding what Lou Williams and and Montrader did, and and Gallinari and SGA and Zoo and and all those guys. So that's my answer to that. But Who's hey, the um? Yeah. Who's the the Hawks coach? Those years where they had a uh, Bob Pettit. No. Well, no, I mean when they had Horford and uh, Mike Budenholzer. Was it Budenholzer? Because yeah, Budenholzer. They... I like Budenholzer, but he's not in this conversation. That's what Bill I'm saying. Though, like that that Atlanta team was like the one seed a few years, right? They had like four All Stars one year with like really? was it Teague and Korver and and all those guys had the best seasons of their career. But um, no one remembers that shit. I mean, if Bud didn't win, if Bud didn't win last year with the Bucks, like he wouldn't be in that conversation, right? They wouldn't. No one would care and like remember yeah, those regular but seasons. Think, this thing that East was weak. Twenty sixteen East, that whole twenty tens East, two thousands East has been weak. But still, weak, though, I get nothing. Not to take away from the Hawks, th- those guys hooped that season. Um, but you know, LeBron and them were that was their first year together, and the Hawks had built some good momentum from going to seven the previous year with the Pacers, and they were the eight seed. But anyway, yep. that's my answer to that. But my guy, thanks for ha- thanks for coming on. Appreciate it, and hopefully we'll have you on again. Appreciate you, man. Thanks, yes, sir. Have a good night, everybody. We'll be back. I'll be back tomorrow night. Mm-hmm.